If you're looking for the best hockey history, stories, and interviews, well, you've come to the right place. It's time for For the Record with Liam McGuire. NHL.com lists 6,854 players, having played at least one game in the NHL as of this recording. Of that list, only five are on record as playing for or belonging to all six of the original six teams. Vic Lynn, Bronco Horvath, Dave Crichton, Larry Hillman, and Forbes Kennedy. Of those five, only one still holds an NHL penalty record, who previously held another penalty record, who was one of the most colorful characters to ever play the sport of hockey, and who calls Prince Edward Island home. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the legend of Forbes Kennedy. During a radio interview I did with Forby years ago, I asked him how it came to be that he was born in Dorchester, New Brunswick, but grew up in PEI. He didn't miss a beat. Well, Liam, my mother was in prison there at the time, which of course brought as much laughter to him as it did to me. Forby played 15 years of pro hockey, including 603 games for five teams in the NHL. This was after a two-year stint in junior with Montreal, playing for legendary Sam Pollock and with teammates like Henri Richard. Forby wasn't a big man, but he was fearless. He would fight the world, and he took on some of the most notable tough guys in hockey in his day. He set a record in 1968-69 for most penalty minutes by a centerman in a season with 219 playing for both the Philadelphia Flyers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. He broke the mark held by Stan Mikita, and Kennedy's record held up for nine seasons until broken by Dennis Polinich of the Detroit Red Wings. However, it's Forby's last NHL game that he will forever be known for on April 2nd, 1969. It was game one of the quarterfinals, Toronto versus Boston. It was a mismatch on paper, and it soon became a mismatch on the ice. Most games between them the past season and the year before featured fights. As this one headed to the end of the second with Boston up 6-0, it soon would be the granddaddy of them all. This was the game where Pat Quinn leveled Bobby Orr, knocking him out. Orr was helped off the ice. Quinn was assessed a major, but no game expulsion. Boston promptly scored a power play goal to make it 7-0 and then another to start the third to make it 8. With Quinn now back on the ice, the Boston Garden became a cauldron. Every leaf was a target. There was another fight, a slew of minors, two more Bruin goals, and then whammo, our man Forby Kennedy. Kennedy had enough of every Bruin starting with their goaltender Jerry Cheevers. He slashed at his glove and it was on. They had two battles in succession. Johnny Busick tried to intervene in one of them. He was popped for his trouble. Multiple Bruins swarmed a man gone crazy. In the heat of the moment, Forby decked linesman George Ashley. Then as the battle swung by the boards, multiple fans leaned over the glass and punched at his head. Now surrounded by his own teammates, including captain George Armstrong and referee Art Scove, Forby finally appeared to be calming down. As he headed to the exit, Johnny Pie-Face McKenzie, a previous combatant, uttered one more comment and look out, he's going again. Forby and McKenzie went toe-to-toe, one more fight before they got him off the ice. Postscript for our lovable Islander from the East Coast. Forby was assessed a $1,000 fine, a four-game suspension, and he never played in the NHL again. He set penalty records for the most minutes in a period, a game, and most penalties in a playoff game, which is still the only one that still stands, albeit shared, but stand it does, nearly 50 years later. We'll be right back with the man himself, 
the one and only Forby Kennedy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, a uh, real pleasure to be joined by the legend of Forby Kennedy. And, and Forby, uh, as we're taping this, uh, watching tonight, hometown hockey, there we are, first intermission, they're back in Charlottetown. <laughs> it's got, got Billy McMillan and, uh, and Brad Richards. Uh, my goodness. What, what do you think? What did you think when you, when you saw yourself and those photos of you back in the day with the Flyers in Detroit and everything? What did you think of that? Well, it brings up some memories, eh? <laughs> some good ones and some bad ones. <laughs> For me, you know, I, I said in the um, in my lead up to this, uh, you know, you played junior with Montreal for Sam Pollock and Ari Richard, among others, were were your teammates. Do you, do you have any any memories of of those days of playing for Sammy in the mid fifties? Yeah, I played for Sammy and then Elmer Locke too. There was, it was Elmer Locke for some coach, I'll tell you. Is that right? He knew the game, and Sam knew every hockey player in Canada. And Sam was Sam was a good man, hockey man too. Uh, Henry Sherrod, Phil Goyette, Claude Provo, Andre Provo, Ralph Saxon, Henry, and uh, Eddie Johnson. They're all there at that time. But we had a guy at one time there, Walter McDonald. And if you've seen Doug Harvey play, you, you thought, wow, well, you wouldn't believe the way he played. And just one day he came in my second year there, my third year there. He just up and quit. Didn't play hockey after that, up and quit. Went and got a job. Jeez. He's from uh, Verdun, Montreal, Verdun. Oh, my goodness. Walter McDonald, what a hockey player, defenseman. And Claude Ruel was there. What a defenseman he was, little Claude. Wow. I mean, that's hockey history, and it started that far, far back for you. And I, I, I love asking guys like yourself who then turned pro and come into the NHL in the 50s. And I want to ask you, and you're talking about Montreal, you played in Henri Richard. What was it like playing against the Rockets? <laughs> <laughs> i got to laugh. I used to call him a lot of names, eh? Oh, yeah? And and, uh, and Henry would be there taking face off. And Henry and I were best of buddies. And what I was saying, Henry knew I didn't mean it, right? Right. And he used to turn around and look at me and yell at me, the way you punchy so-and-so. <laughs> oh, he, and I thought, I think he hated me at the end. Oh. <laughs> well, that, that was certainly Ted Lindsay's MO for years. It was getting under the rocket. I always wondered about guys when they start – when especially coming up against an icon like that. And speaking of icons, I mean, you played over 600 games in the NHL, almost 200 of them in four different seasons with the Detroit Red Wings and obviously Mr. Hockey, Gordie Howe. What, what, what memories can you share from being in the room or on the ice with, with Gordie? Oh, he was just, well, I wouldn't know how to explain it. He's just the greatest guy on and off the ice when you played with him. One of the one son of a gun when you played against them, but to me, I don't think the other be another Gordie Howe. He'd be something like Babe Ruth. You know what I mean? I, you know, I wouldn't know what he would do with thirty teams playing in, with a thirty team league and then at eighteen years old. I mean, yeah, because he could do it. He could do it all. There wasn't look to me. Asking who's the greatest hockey player in the world of all, I've seen them all play or. And how? That's the two. Forby, I want to go back to Gordy Howe for a second because a big, a big part of your game was, uh, you know, you you weren't afraid to mix it up. You, you had some legendary battles in that regard. We'll get to that in a second. But Gordy Howe was also regarded as pretty ferocious. Did what was that like? Like, did you did you see anybody? Do you recall anybody trying him? Do you recall any battles? Do you recall uh, him getting involved and and you going, 
oh my god like that that's one tough hombre well i tell you i seen it when uh, he fought fontanato oh, were, were, were you there that night oh yeah i was there yeah in new york it was it was unreal i'm telling you i say today somebody trained and be heavyweight champ of the world wow he, his arms go right down by his knees, and, and he, we used to take his sport coat and put it on the hanger, but you bend the hanger right down. <laughs> like his shoulders just went down, eh? But, and, and just a great guy off the ice. And with rookies coming into the, uh, with the team, yeah. and he, he say to the kid, you're coming with me. He make the kid feel like home. Just, just the greatest guy in the world. I'm not kidding you. Obviously can't let you go to without talking about that uh, playoff game with Toronto and and how, how that was so crazy. Can you recall anything in the second intermission that would have led led up to your altercations initially with Jerry Cheevers? Was was it punch him black? Was there anything that was said or went down in the intermission that sort of not? I mean, they were pounding you on the scoreboard, so none of you could have felt good about that. No, I, well. Uh, Terry Shevers and I and Eddie Johnson, we're the best of friends. We're, you know what I mean? What happens on the ice, on the ice. But off the ice, yeah, that's that's a different game. But anyway, I'll tell you what, <laughs> the score was 10 nothing that game. And I think there only is not much left in the game. And he said that we got to play here. Uh, I think that was a Sunday game, I'm pretty sure. And we had to play there Tuesday, a day off, Monday off. We got to play here Tuesday. And he said, how did he put it? He said, I don't care what the score is. I don't care when you're going to win a game here. We got to win one game in this building. I don't care if you're going to win it now or wait until the seventh game, but we're going to win it. So let's show them we're going to be here and we're going to come back and be in this building the next game. And he yelled out our line. (laughs) I knew he wasn't sending us out there for uh, the score of 10 goals. We went out. I forget who's on the line. We went out. And I just happened to go in front of that, and she was whacking me across the ankle. I was in this goal crease. Not thinking, I went up and went to the blue line, and I said, what am I doing? And they had their arm up for a penalty. What am I doing? And I didn't come out to get a, a power play. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I went back in the way she went. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, it was absolutely nuts. The fans, the fans are winging punches at you. <laughs> Yeah, I get hit. I think I, I think I get glass in my head yet. To tell you the truth. <laughs> it, this this is a small point of it all, Forby. But can you still believe, nearly fifty years later, that you still share that penalty record? <laughs> it's still going, is it? I didn't even know. I didn't know. Most penalties in one playoff game with eight. Yeah. You're, you're tied with Kim Claxton. So you still you still have a share of an NHL record, yeah, but there, I don't know how that goes. A misconduct, gone to misconduct, misconduct, but they're not much hitting and bang with the misconduct. <laughs> no, well, no, but you did a lot of hitting and banging, and you finished with pie face right before you left the ice. Yeah, and you know him and I, best of buddies. Really, we lived together one year in Detroit. No way. <laughs> oh, yeah. the job to do, and I had a job to do. <laughs> Forby, this has yeah. been an absolute treat. It always is any time to catch up with you. It was so great to see you in Philadelphia. And thank you so much for joining our podcast. And uh, I, I really appreciate it, buddy. And continued good health. And I'll look you up the next time I'm on the island. Okay. Well, that's all the time we have this week on For the Record. Next week on the podcast, Liam will be joined by one of the best to ever lace them up. The Golden Jet himself three-time Art Ross winner and Stanley Cup champion, Bobby Hull. Until then, you can follow Liam on Twitter, 
at Liam's underscore hockey. That's at L-I-A-M-S underscore hockey. Be sure to subscribe to For the Record on iTunes and Google Play, and you can follow us on SoundCloud.